This is the third in the TFA series of interviews with state legislators with your host, C. Richard Archie. Today we have with us State Representative Jay Reedy. Jay, how long have you been in the General Assembly? I was elected in 2014, so I'm going on my eighth year, so I'll have a total of eight years in office. With the recently released redistricting information that we've seen, what, if anything, has happened to your district? I have had a huge change, and uh, it's it's interesting, of, of course, with redistricting on population base. My Part of my district was the western part of Montgomery County, Fort Campbell. I, I do get the voters in Fort Campbell because they live in Montgomery County but also Woodlawn, Palmyra, just those areas for those uh, folks that know exactly where. But the population boomed, so I was told that I have to find 35,000 new constituents, and that would, the only way I could move is go west. I couldn't go east because Middle Tennessee was growing so fast. So now, through redistricting, I have been told that I will get Benton County, Stewart County, and part of Henry County, including, I'm thinking just a portion of Paris, keeping in mind with redistricting, we have to vote on it in the House and the Senate, and that'll be the first thing that we take up when we go back into session. When does session start? That's a question I should have asked, but didn't. It's Yeah, session starts January 11th at high noon, and it's actually that week we will hear the redistricting and vote on it that same week. So it, it'll it'll come pretty quick on what the new district will look like. Is there any opportunity once that comes before the General Assembly for changes to be made in those districts? I've not been through redistricting. I, I really can't answer that. I would think a lot of states going through redistricting as well. There's folks that throw out lawsuits trying to change it. And, of course, I, I can't answer if that ever gets done or not done. And, of course, it's part of what they call the gerrymandering, the lines to favor one party or the other. I've heard there's fuss about redistricting, not about the, the, the district that will be the new District 74, but it's Middle Tennessee because there were so many people. State representatives were losing part of their districts that really supported them in the past, and they don't want to lose that. That's just kind of the word on the street, the fuss that's going on. Richard, I can't answer that question as far as would it would we have the possibility to change it? I guess if there were enough votes, folks make the joke that uh, all we need is 51 votes on the House floor and we could sell the top off of the Capitol. So I guess anything's possible. It just hit me all of a sudden. I was not paying attention the last time there was redistricting. This will be my first foray into that as well. So I just thought I would get your take on it. What sure. what committee assignments do you currently have? I am the vice chairman of government operations for the House. Keeping in mind, government operations committee runs year round. So we meet once a month. When we're not in session, it's a joint government operation. So that meeting is shared between the Senate and the House, listening to rule changes, fee changes, emergency rules, all of that and giving a positive or a negative recommendation. So it, to me, it's Tennessee's doing a good job reining in some ideas of, that would end up costing constituents more money. The other committees that I am on is local government and agriculture and environment. And of course, my love is, is in the agriculture because I'm a farmer. Those are the three committees I'm on. 
I've heard that Curtis Halford is not going to seek re-election this next time. So, I, I was told that as well. So it's like, oh my. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a little scuffle to see who winds up as chairman of that committee once he's gone, correct? It it will, but, but Richard, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I have never asked to chair any committees. Speaker of the House and his staff come and ask me to, to chair certain committees. I'm not going to fight for that position. Of course, Chris Todd got the chair of Ag Sub, and he came and apologized to me when he got it last year. And I said, you don't have to apologize to me. Just as long as I'm on the committee, that's all that matters to me. And my reasoning behind that is if you threaten me because of a bill or an issue as chairman that I need to navigate those waters and force committee members or whomever to do something, I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm, you know, I'm my own person. Take the committee away. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But unfortunately, I see in the House and Senate both people beg for committees, then they get it, and then they're asked to do something contrary to what their belief or or how they would vote. And that's sad. That kind of falls under the heading of be careful what you wish for. You may get it. Oh, that's that's right. I have noticed that there are a number of incumbent legislators who have thrown out the fact that they're not going to run again. I think we're fixing to see a change in the makeup of the who, General who Assembly. All have, who all have you heard about other than Halford? Well, uh, the prior Speaker of the House has said he's not going to run. That's right. Cassidy said he's not going to run again. And, uh, of course, the folks said, well, there's 10 people leaving, and I'm trying to figure it out. Curtis Johnson announced he's he's seeking re-election. They're like, well, okay, that answers that, that question. I also have information that David Byrd is not going to run. Uh, I feel sorry for that guy. Yeah, it's probably best for his health not to run. I agree. If you've got 10 members leaving right now, depending on who they are, that can make a big change in the General Assembly. Absolutely. Being this is a TFA interview, what legislation have you carried that impacts the right to keep and bear arms in Tennessee? And I'm going to include the second part of that question. How many of those were successful? So going on my eighth year, I either have had or, or was a prime co-sponsor of a constitutional carry. Through the Haslam administration as well as the Lee administration, it's kind of been a roller coaster ride. I want to add a constitutional amendment, too, that I was working on. Of course, uh, you're not going to find wording of it because it was just a caption bill for a, a constitutional amendment of the state of Tennessee. And that's the history. If you go back right around you know, the time of the Civil War, the, the Constitution was amended that said that the legislature had the right to decide who goes armed. And, and of course, it, the previous constitutional amendment before that had said, no black man can go armed. And then, of course, that was deemed unconstitutional. However, the amendment that's in the Constitution now, many law professors said it hovered real close to being unconstitutional, but it it made it through. And that's the law today. And my hope with a constitutional amendment is to do something more similar to what our Second Amendment right is at the federal government. But I, I just couldn't get the wording right, nor when you pass a bill. You go around and talk to people. Everybody was all over the board. Yes, no, leave it alone. That's where it laid. The only success that I have had with a piece of legislation has been protecting the firing ranges. Folks come in, put in a firing range. That's where you learn how to shoot. Uh, you, you stay familiar with your weapon. But then 
neighborhoods start to encroach in that area and they're tired of the you know the shooting noise and all of that they were trying to, to shut down some ranges across tennessee and we said no it's they're there they're established it's kind of like farming if pig farmer was already there before the neighborhood come in there's nothing you could do about it i mean it's you just need to find a different place to live it was just protecting the the gun ranges well back to your point about the second amendment in tennessee you know, article one section 26 if you look at what the Supreme Court has ruled in McDonald v. City of Chicago, it incorporated the Second Amendment against the states through the 14th Amendment due process clause. And right. I contend that at this point, the second codicil of Article 1, Section 26, it says, however, the legislature has the power by law to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime is now totally unconstitutional. And as far as I'm concerned, you're talking about doing a new uh, amendment to our Tennessee Constitution to replace that one. I'd be all for it. What we should do is get in line with the uh, Constitution of the Union that says you have a right to keep and bear arms, period. Government shall not infringe it. I try not to editorialize in these interviews, but that's my take on it. So what's your thoughts? What you said is absolutely correct, because keep in mind. There is stuff in our Constitution, Tennessee Constitution right now, that has been deemed unconstitutional. Now, unfortunately, as you know, you got to bring a bill or, well, I guess it's it's really, you got to bring a bill to get rid of bad law. And an example of an unconstitutional amendment is any, a preacher, a pastor, a man of the cloth cannot run for elected office. But the federal government come out and said, no, that's unconstitutional. So we're working on that one right now just to throw that out. But that is an example of how they stripped the, our Second Amendment rights away at the state level. You and I have talked a number of times about these issues, and I think that we're on the same page with that. Hopefully, in the upcoming legislative session, we can make some strides in that direction. What do you see or have you heard of any bills coming forward in the next session of the legislature that would restore our Second Amendment rights? Have you heard of anything so far? So far, no. And, of course, we, in my opinion, we did a great first step with so-called constitutional carry for the state of Tennessee. Now, what is interesting is a number of other states have succeeded with similar legislation, but we are far from finished. Of course, the current state of COVID and getting around to meet other lawmakers and meeting in in Nashville. Of course, I'm so done with COVID right now. We need to get back to, to normal. I have not talked to any House members about any bills, about what's going on. It the The only thing that I continue to hear is about people not being allowed to properly protect their property. That's a discussion that I continue. I've got a bill on that one. They say you shouldn't be able to use up to deadly force. I'm struggling. Yes. Up to deadly force to protect your farm, your property, your business, or anything else. You can only use deadly force if your life is threatened. So what we're seeing across the nation and even in Tennessee, people walking into the, the local mom and pop stores or, or big box stores and just walking out with being that arrogant, walking out with stolen goods, 
and basically getting away with it, especially if they're wearing, uh, you know, a face mask and, and trying to identify this person to to bring justice. But people stop them and they just bully their way through it. You know, these these criminals. It'll be interesting. I've got on that bill. There's only a small portion of support. People want to amend it out, so I'm still having that conversation because I'm unable to find a Senate sponsor that is willing to carry it. And and as you know, when you work a bill, you don't want to waste a bunch of time when you know it's going to fall flat on its face. And, and you, you try to basically eat an elephant one bite at a time. It's like, okay, what can I get across the finish line now? And that we can expand on the following year. And I got to say, a lot of times we really screw things up and we got to go back the next year to fix it, what we thought was a good bill as well. So that's the challenges of, of being in office is trying to get laws correct the first time. Back to a topic we talked about a few seconds ago with the so-called, and I'm going to use that term, so-called constitutional carry uh, that right. was passed this last year. TFA took a stance that we did not support the bill as written, nor were we going to try to defeat the bill. Uh, we feel like it was in fact, in part, a move in the right direction, but a couple of issues that I consider and the TFA considers of import. Number one, long guns were not included in that. I will again editorialize a little bit, but when we removed ourselves as part of the British Empire, we didn't just use handguns. The long gun was very important, and 44 other states in the Union include the ability to carry a long gun without a permit. That's one of the things that TFA would love to see is to make a move to include long guns in the, that. Uh, Absolutely. And that's when they, they they brought it forward. It was, well, you had to be a law abiding citizen that, you you know, you could go out and purchase a handgun as a law abiding citizen that you could carry concealed or open. But no long guns. I just took a deep breath, said, OK, that's I, I'm with the TFA. That is something we need to correct. Secondarily to that, you know, we talk about the fact that the different parts of that bill, the way it was structured and put out, you had to be 21 years old to afford yourself of the removal of restrictions to carry a handgun. If you're old enough at 18 to pick up a firearm and carry it in defense of your country, you ought to be able at 18 to pick up a firearm in defense of yourself. I look at it as they have erroneously restricted that to 21 and older instead of 18 and older where you're either an adult at 18 or you're not. I think and, that the and, legislature ought to take that up and relook at that. Yeah. And I think that the huge issue was the handgun law and, and the challenges at the federal level. I don't get this 21 thing either. Me, me being a military veteran, it's uh, I offered myself up was you know, qualified from everything from a, a 45 caliber handgun to an M68-3 battlefield tank. And then I come back, the United States, back in country, if you will. Now, if you're under 21, you can't drink, you can't smoke, but you can go die. And, and it's like, I've got a problem with that. That's right. And I think what muddied the, the waters is, well, if it's a handgun, then we could say 21 and over. But if we added a long gun, well, you know, my kids started early hunting with a rifle and of course the, the revolutionary war it's not just men were picking up arms defending 
their rights in, in this new country that we live in today. Those are issues that the TFA would like to see redressed. You talked about going back and fixing bills. I can remember yep. uh, when we first passed uh, the employee safe commute, or as they called it at that point, guns and trunks. You know, right. it took us a number of years to get that thing beat into a form that was actually beneficial instead of just window dressing for the legislature. I've been around this game long enough to know that what people try to do is hang a name on an issue right. and pass a bill that doesn't do anything beneficial. And yet they can use that then as uh, electioneering material when they get ready to run again. You're correct. And it's uh, the issue I had with that was saying, OK, I could have a loaded gun in my vehicle, but you better not step outside of that vehicle with it. You become a felon because you don't have a carry permit. And it's like, OK, I got issues with that. And, and of course, some House and Senate members, we had talked about that. And, and it's like you say, it, it, it takes sometimes the House is against something and the Senate's for it or the Senate's for something and the House is, is against it. And you've got to just build up steam year after year until you can get both chambers to agree to pass a piece of legislation. And currently, that's what's taking place with many issues, including Second Amendment rights. It's going to be interesting. The, the new election cycle, with the change of the, the House and the Senate district, how many House and Senate members will end up retiring and not coming back? So some fresh faces hopefully will be more cordial to the idea of fixing our Second Amendment rights in the state of Tennessee. With what's happening federally right now for the average person who pays any attention whatsoever, you can see that the administration that's in power right now, if it was up to them, they would just jerk every firearm from every person. I think it is endemic on us right now that we, as a state, stand fast to protect our rights. I can remember reading, and you know me, I'm a history buff of the Tennessee Constitution. Yes, sir. When it was offered to Thomas Jefferson, the Tennessee Constitution in 1796, he said that he found it to be the least imperfect and most Republican of all the documents he had seen to that date. It has taken 225, now 226 years for the General Assembly of Tennessee to reduce your right to arms because originally it said the free citizens of this state have a right to keep and bear arms for their common defense. And there was a period at the end of that, and there wasn't any of this stuff about however the General Assembly shall have the power by law to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. It's taken this long to completely move away from the fact that each person has the right to keep and bear arms, and now we have to rely on the General Assembly to give us a permission slip to do so. That needs to be assaged. It needs to be changed. It's still a crime in the state of Tennessee for a person to walk off of his personal property with a loaded firearm. There are exceptions and there are exemptions. And with the permit, you have purchased a defense against prosecution. But still, in 39-17-1307, it is an offense. It is a crime for you to carry a loaded firearm in the state of Tennessee. And that needs to be changed. Right. And, and keep in mind, it's a lot of our issues. The judicial branch. OK, let's let's talk about the judicial branch. What we have are, do I want to call them corrupt judges or liberal judges? There's things out there that if you commit a crime, the judge said, OK, you had the right to protect your property. 
Then you get a liberal judge and they will throw the book at you and throw away the key. It's send you straight to prison for the same actions. Part of the correction of what our Second Amendment rights are in the state of Tennessee, there needs to be some correction on the judicial side. Somehow, totally can't wrap my head around the attorney generals, the judges, the the district attorneys. This election year coming up, everybody's going to be on on the ballot pretty much for re-election. And hopefully people will pay attention this election cycle, who they're putting into office or who they're keeping into office. And it's certainly just like TFA members have been great supporters of mine with with legislation. Now, Richard, let me throw in here how those folks can help with legislation, doing groundwork, writing letters, emails, keeping in mind, always be kind. If you're talking to a a lawmaker on the phone, if you're sending an email, social media, whatever, you can attract more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. So we've got to be cordial when we're out there, but they're staunch Second Amendment supporters, both TFA members and not TFA members that that keep on working every legislative cycle. And and I'm excited to see that. You know, I've been a life member of NRA since 1986. I'm a life member of TFA for, gosh, I don't know how many years I've been a life member of of TFA. And that just shows that, you know, I was a life member before uh, with NRA before I ever got elected, before I ever thought about running for office. So I just didn't do it to get elected. But that's how I feel about our Second Amendment rights. Not only the United States in the state of Tennessee, like I said, I've got a farm and I'm going to protect my property. It is the birthright of every American to be able to do that. And what we've allowed over the course of the time that we've been a state and nation is we have slowly allowed people to usurp those rights and take them away from us. My point and what I tell people, my job as a member of the TFA is to educate the general population as to what's actually happening. By doing these interviews with our state legislators, I think that's important that they get a chance to hear your voice and to have your thoughts put out where people can get to them because not everybody's going to take the time to go to Nashville to walk into the office of their legislature and sit down and talk to them. What we're trying to do with this series of interviews is just get out in front of our membership and the general population because a lot of people will go to the website and listen to these interviews now just to right. get a feel for what those legislators are. That was the final question I had was what steps can the average TFA member take to further the restoration of our right to arms granted to us in 1796? People talk about, well, the Constitution gives us those rights. No, the Constitution doesn't give us a right. It simply enumerates them. God gave us our rights, and they're there. They predate any form of government. But what would you suggest that the average member do if, in fact, they're paying attention to the emails that we send out that let them know what bills are coming forward, what committees they're going to be in? What's the best method for the working guy, TFA member, to help with those issues in the General Assembly, in your opinion? Well, let me make a comment about what you said. It's it's doing podcasts and videos archiving that but keeping it available but also giving a a credible source to folks maybe they're just moving into the state maybe they are just becoming of age uh, that they can vote maybe they are been that individual that has just totally stayed out of politics but because what has taken place at the federal level 
they finally got politically active. And so they're looking for information. They want to stay abreast of, of whatever the issue is. Now, as far as the TFA members, what's important to me that I think should be important to them is looking at your local elected officials. Who do you have running for city council, county commission, school board? Who is your district attorney? Who are your judges? You got the right to vote once again, you know, another right. And if you've got the right to vote, go out and exercise that right. And if you're uh, looking for who is your state senator, who is who is your state representative? We've got a governor's race coming up too. find out how you can support that individual that you think you ought to vote for. That's got your best interest at heart. And by doing that, supporting it, help with the signs. If you can write them a check, write them a check. Talk to your friends. You know, word of mouth travels fast. Try to visit with those elected officials. Get their feel for who they are, what they believe. Try to get into their corner and, and help them with that. Now, while we're in session, if at all possible, come to, to Capitol Hill in Nashville, Tennessee one day. Go knock on some doors. Inter- introduce yourselves. Share your concerns. The state website for the state of Tennessee does a great job in getting information out where you can watch archived videos of committee meetings, but also live streaming. So if you can't make it to Nashville, you can log on when that committee is taking place, hear the testimony, hear the concerns, and then actually see how the legislature's members vote on whatever the issue is. To me, that's the best way. You, you, you got to stay connected. I, I know people get worn out talking about politics and everything else, but you don't have to talk about everything else. Talk about our Second Amendment right, because if we lose our Second Amendment right in the United States, we're going to lose our first. I concur and, uh, wholeheartedly on that statement. And, and if we if we lose our Second Amendment and our First Amendment, we are no better than China, North Korea. Russia. And it's sad to see those countries and people actually escaping those countries talking about how great it is to be in the United States. Maybe they're not a, a citizen yet, but they're working on citizenship properly. Not this coming over the southern border nonsense is currently taking place. And, and they really want to assimilate. They want to be an American and standing up for their rights. And I've got a number of folks been contacting me. It's one gentleman's from Russia talking about vaccine, you know, they were talking about vaccine mandates. He said, well, if I was still living in Russia, you wouldn't have a choice. Lined up and you get whatever shot that they want to give you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, welcome to America. But that's where I stand as far as getting out, supporting. Even I go out and support fellow elected officials for what they're trying to do. Like I said, with, with constitutional carry bills. If I didn't have one, I was signing on and I was supporting, trying to get it across the finish line. Year after year, you know, there's the road bumps and you got to be patient. Sometimes you can't get a bill 100 percent to those folks listening. Sometimes you just get a bite at the apple and and be happy with it. But we continue to push the same direction to get a second bite the next year, whatever it takes to get it across the finish line. Well, I will make this statement as we get ready to close out. Uh, Article 1, Section 23 of the Tennessee Constitution instructs us as the general public that it is our duty to instruct our elected officials. I take that charge seriously, and you know that as well as a number of other legislators, because when y'all are driving up on Monday, I tend to get on the telephone and talk to everybody that has a piece of the power to affect the passage or defeat of different bills. 
I know my representative, Chris Todd, I don't know whether he blanches when he sees that number come up and Ed Jackson, but they know I'm going to call. And it is our duty. It's our responsibility under our Constitution to be involved because it's kind of like the old boy from Greece said, if you don't get involved in politics, politics may certainly get involved in you. So it's time for folks to stand up and get involved. That's the charge that I try to get people to take because it is, in fact, in our Constitution, and it is a privilege that we have that, like you said, China, North Korea, and Russia don't. Jay, I really appreciate your time this morning coming on. Uh, We thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing what happens in the next session. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, share my thoughts and uh, also the opportunity to serve the state of Tennessee. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.